Happy Mother's Day. So glad you're here today. Welcome. <clears throat> this is where you were looking for. They were over here, and there was some on the other side, too. Glad you're here today. You too. <laughs> I was being nice. I was trying to give it to her. Yeah. Sorry, they were not over there. There's two boxes, one on each side. Yeah, so glad you're here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God's so good, isn't he? He's amazing. That was done in love. It wasn't anything in, in unintentional. <clears throat> All right. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading or listening to God's word? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Did you spend some time alone with God with no agenda? Yes. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. So we're starting to dwindle, I noticed, from the first one down. We've been getting quieter and quieter. Not that I'm asking to be loud, just asking us to embrace what God's asking. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? There's some little cards that we have available for you to do that if you want to use those. Moms, we love you. Thank you for uh, just being mom. And all you ladies that are 18 and older, we want you to take a flower home with you today. Uh, we recognize that y'all are mothers in some way to somebody. All of you ladies have that in you. And so if you're 18 and older, we want you to take a flower. Whether you have a biological child or not, that doesn't have anything to do with it. I had a sister that began mothering my younger brother since she was probably old enough to talk, and he was there, you know. And I watched her do that. It used to drive me crazy uh, that she tried to mother him. But I know it's in you, and that's a gift that God's given to you to take care of everyone around you. It's a very cool thing. Very grateful for my mom and what she did in my life. So happy Mother's Day. We would like for you to take a rose home with you, and thanks for being here today. Those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you. Glad that you are joining us. I want to speak to us today about what God has for us, and I want to share with you this incredible thing that God has done for us. When he made us in the very beginning, he made male and female. Something God did that we need to just grasp, we've shared this before, but I want to get us to have the foundation that God has for us today, is when God created us, he made us in his likeness and his image. Therefore, God has a resemblance to what we look like. All right? So just so you, if you want to picture God, picture him in the same type of structure as we are. Because we are made in his likeness and his image. So when we see this, that God created us in this way, we were made like him, and then he did something else that's very unique in all of creation. In all the things that God made, he did something different for humanity than he did anything else. God himself became part of us. He breathed into us his very breath. And therefore, the, the breath of God entered that image and life was given. And therefore, when we received the breath of God within us as human beings, we were given a relationship with him and we were perfect. God is perfect. God is holy. Therefore, humanity and original creation was perfect and holy. For we were not only made in the image and the likeness of God, but God dwelled within us. And Adam and Eve screwed that up. 
So when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin entered the world, they exhaled the breath of God. God said that when in or if you disobey sin, you will die. Therefore, the breath of God was breathed out and his life no longer lived within human beings. That is the most tragic thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. We breathed out God and now we were living corpses, dead, no life. Now what happened was God had a standard for a relationship with him. And the relationship that God desired for us to have with him was above anything else in creation. And that relationship that he desired with us was to have a relationship of holiness, righteousness, based and swallowed up in love. And you see, with the absence of God, we talked about last week, is the absence of love. The absence of God is the absence of holiness. The absence of holiness, the absence of righteousness. We were absent of God. Now, God has a standard for a relationship with him. And that is, that standard of love, holiness, righteousness, that's God's standard. He tells us when he gave the law to Moses in Leviticus 19, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. Church, I want you to make sure you get that because he's not talking to just the priests, the leaders, or any of that, or all the the Levite tribe that was doing all the ministering. He said, tell the whole community, every person, this is God speaking, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right, if you want to be his people, this is what God's saying. You have to be at my standard. God's standard is is to be holy. So he tells the whole community, if you're going to be my people, you have to be holy. Now that standard has not changed. Old covenant to new covenant. We look in the, in the New Testament and the apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes to the church, which is now including us, not just the Israelite community, but all people. He writes this, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Church, you see that God didn't change the standard. Because Jesus came and died, did not change God's standard for us. In everything we do, we're supposed to be holy. Here's the problem that we saw in the Old Testament, and we read the scriptures last week to us as we looked at that, that what the law did was showed how sinful we were. So here's what God said. You have to be holy. Here's some commandments to follow. Those The people tried to follow them. They couldn't do it. And the apostle Paul wrote to us, and we read it last week in the book of Romans, what the, the, the law did is showed everyone how sinful we are. In other words, how far short we fall of God's standard. So as we look at that law, he's saying you can't, you don't, you will never measure up to God's standard. 
So as we look at that and we look at what God's saying to us, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, this is what they did. We read the scriptures last week about Jesus calling them out. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees tried to make everyone think as they looked upon them that they were meeting God's standard. They appeared to be holy. They appeared to be righteous. So when people look at them, they were all about their relationship with God to be seen by everyone else. So this is what Jesus said. I'm rereading the scripture from last week because he knew their hearts and he called them out. I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is telling everyone listening to him is he's saying, you know, they declare their righteousness. They appear as holy. They appear like they are. They're not. And if all you are is an appearance of, you're not. That's what Jesus just said. There's something more than an outward appearance. Jesus is driving home a point saying, hey, hey, people, people of God, listen, it's not about the show, the outer shell. There's something more about this relationship with God that you need to see and know and experience. See, God knows everything, including our thoughts, the intentions of our hearts. He knows everything that's going on inside of you and me. And the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a minute, church. You know everything about me. There's nothing hidden from God. He goes on. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. All right, get that picture in your mind. So it's not just that you're at church that God knows your thoughts. God knows when you're driving, when you're at work, at school, in the stores, everywhere you go, he knows your thoughts. When you're far away. He goes on. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. There's no secret rooms at home. There's nothing hidden from God's sight. Look at what he tells us. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. <laughs> okay, so we have this scripture that these Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law knew this scripture. They taught this. This is nothing new. But still they presented themselves in a way that they would appear to everyone else how holy and righteous they were. So what the teachers were doing was living and teaching the appearance of righteousness, but their hearts and their intentions were far from what God wanted. Far from what He wanted. So after that rebuke of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and Jesus telling the people, you better be living better than that. Wait a minute. What does He mean? Because see, all the people, like we talked about last week, saw those teachers of the law and the Pharisees as the righteous people of their culture. Let's go on. This is what Jesus says now. Six times he makes this statement in the following verses. You have heard, but I say. Now, the reason why we're going to look at this is because you see what the teachers of the law did was they were teaching the law and Jesus is saying they're missing the mark. Hmm. 
Let's see what he's all about. So this is what he's doing. And I'm jumping down from verses to bring out his point. So I want you to know when we read there in those scriptures that I'm not reading all the way through them. Here's the main points he's making. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. Y'all know the Ten Commandments, right? Shall not murder. So Jesus says, you know, you've heard that teaching. But I say, he goes on now, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Uh oh, where did Jesus just go? He went right in here, and he went right in here with us. It's not just that, hey, I didn't pull out a gun and shoot you, so I'm, I'm innocent. He's like, God knows your thoughts and your heart and the intentions that you have. He knows all about it. So as we look at this and we see what he's saying to us, church, he goes on. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so you see what we're doing now. Jesus is taking the outer surface of the law and he's going right inside with it. See, it's easy to put on a show and act like even though there's something else going on inside. You have heard that it says, you've heard the law says, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, in other words, committed adultery, causes her to commit adultery. He's talking about the one that divorced her. Did you hear that? And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> See, he's going right into after what's going on here. He's saying like, look, God is looking way inside of you. Not just your appearance, not just what the outer show looks like, but God's looking inside of our hearts and He knows what's happening in there. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows, you must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. See, Jesus was making the point saying, your word should be your word. When we have to make a vow or I promise or I, I say these things, it's saying like sometimes you're not really good for your word. So when we're trying to like prove to someone I, I really mean what I'm saying, well, you ought to really always mean what you're saying. That's what he's telling us, right? Your word should be good. Like if you say you're doing it, you're doing it. Okay. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person if someone slaps you on the right cheek off of the other cheek also. You've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Okay, church, so here it is. Jesus is making some clarifications on the wrong teachings of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law with God's people. He's saying to the people, like, look, you know, we're trying to make sure we're following this X, Y, and Z of the law to have the bases covered and check the boxes. 
But he's like, you know, just checking a box isn't good enough. I want you to know. Because you came to church today, you didn't check your box and your relationship with God's okay. It's something he expects us to do. Alright? It is. It's not like you're scoring points with them or anything. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us. It's not about that. It's about what's going on inside of us. And he's called us in this relationship. And these are things that we're supposed to do all the time. All right. All right, then. So Jesus is looking and he's teaching the people that what God is after is the heart. Let's remember what he told us. We read the scriptures last week. What is it that fulfills the law and the prophets? What does God's word say fulfills it all? Jesus said this in Matthew 22. You must love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So he's saying like, it's not just like checking the boxes and, and looking like you're doing everything right. It's all about what's inside of you. What's inside of you is how you're supposed to live and it should be seen, but what's inside of you shows what you really are. And God knows everything. So clearly, what Jesus is trying to show us, teach us and teach his people is the heart the soul, the mind, they're required to be in agreement with what God says. See, the problem is, and what we looked at in the law and what it taught us was before Jesus gave his life for us and the Holy Spirit came for the believers, no one could. No one could. We couldn't live it. See, what happened was, and we all know this before we met Jesus, if you know Jesus as your Savior, before that moment that you received Him, you know this. The mind took the body and the soul and drugged the heart along with it to do wrong. You know, the body, sin, the flesh ruled us. And therefore, it didn't matter what we knew, what we felt, what we wanted. We ended up doing the wrong thing. Did you all have that experience in your life? Yeah. Because, see, we were born in sin. We were dead. We didn't have God in us. We, we did not have the ability to live righteous or holy lives. And therefore, because... This was all jacked up inside of us and was owned by sin. Death lived within us. Death ordered my life. And no matter what I wanted to do, I did the wrong thing. Paul wrote about it in Romans 7. No matter what I tried to do, even if I wanted to write, there I went again. Right over there doing the wrong thing. <laughs> all right. So the problem is we couldn't. So as we move into what God's done for us, church, in the New Testament, there is a word that is used to describe this absence of the standard of God. It's sin. That word, sin, translated from the Greek into English is that word, sin. It's missing God's mark. Hamartia is the word in Greek. 
Just You can look it up in Blue Letter Bible and they'll read it for you on the internet and you can find out what it says and how to pronounce it. I don't know Greek. <laughs> That's how I learned it. Hamartia is the word. I may be saying that with a little Hispanic accent. I'm not even sure. I've been here long enough that you roll your R's, so Hamartia. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So let's see what God's saying to us. So the Greek word, homartia, is a measurement. And that word was used in their archery tournament. And so this was the standard right here. Now, this arrow, that far from there, the measurement between this arrow and this arrow is hamartia. Miss the mark. We translate it as sin. God's standard, hamartia, you and me. <laughs> so when we look at this and we see what's going on, see, I want you to get this now. It's so cool. God's, he's amazing, isn't he? So good. We look at this arrow, and it's closer to the mark. But it's not the mark. Then we look at this arrow, and it's even further from the mark. But guess what the word is for this and this? Amartia. <laughs> Sin. Doesn't matter how far off the mark. If it's off the mark, it's sin. It's amartia. It didn't make the mark. So just think about this. Here's what the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, were doing. I'm here. And you're there. Therefore, I'm better than you. Because I'm closer to what you're supposed to be than you are. And I measure myself against you. And therefore, you are Hamratia. I am righteous. Okay. So let's talk about me and you. Oftentimes, what we find ourselves doing, I mean, all of us as Christians, we know this. We've been around the church. You know, don't judge. I mean, I probably have heard that from more people in the world than everybody else. Oh, I don't want to judge anybody, but, and then we say something about them. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say if they're a believer or not because I don't want to judge. Okay, but let's put it in the context of what it really means, right? So, here's me and you just say today. And Justin asked us to enter into worship, like just be free, go ahead and dance or do whatever you want to do. Let's do it for the Lord. David danced before the Lord, you know. So we start the song and everybody's singing. And I looked at this person that I see as this right here in the service and I looked at them and I'm like yeah, whatever see what I just did was I saw them as less than and what I was doing really is making myself righteous by looking down on them which is exactly what the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were doing Amartya same thing 
So what the church struggles with is that I see myself better then, and I look for those. So we're looking outward. We're always looking outward at someone that doesn't measure up more than me so that I can feel better about myself and righteous and holy and acceptable to God and prove myself to myself by looking and comparing me against whoever might be outside in my view. So it's a lot easier for me to look outward than to look inward. You know what the Word of God says? Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Stop looking out and start looking up. Look at the standard that God has established because God has set the standard, church, and it's Jesus. You know what John said when Jesus was coming down the shoreline to him the day he was going to be baptized? The next day it tells us in, first, in John chapter 1, verse 29. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the hamartia of the world. He's coming. The one who is the mark is coming to take away the gap between God's standard and who we are. There he is. That's what John said, church. John was declaring, there's the mark. He's amazing. (laughs) He has come to take away our missing the mark that God has established as holy, righteous, love, all of that. He's coming to take away our miss. That we, church, God's word says this, might become the righteousness of God through him so that we might become the standard of God through him. He came to be our miss. Man, God's awesome. You should be applauding him right now. (laughs) Yeah, man, I mean, thank you, God. Because this is where I was, over here. There. You didn't even hit the target, man. And Jesus, oh, he's amazing. You know, it says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, Amartya, is death. When you miss the mark, it's death. (laughs) See, that's what I mean. We were all dead men walking. We were dead. No life. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God (laughs) is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't he amazing? He's like, I hit the mark for you. You could never do it. You can't attain it. But there it is. Now, when we repent of our sin, are you all saved? Are you born again Christians? If you're not, you need to today. But if you are, this is exactly what God did. We we prayed, we repented. And even if you were here or out there or wherever you are, when Jesus stepped in 
become the gap. <laughs> God immediately saw you right here. <laughs> Look, I, I want you to know, church, God sees us right here because of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So God sees me and you right there. Now nobody else sees us right there. Nobody. Anybody you live with, work with, anyone you're around does not see you right there. They don't. You know that. You know why? Because you're not. <laughs> Are you? You're only that in God's sight. It's true. It's what the Word of God teaches. But let's not get lost here. Because what the Holy Spirit does, Jesus said this, and we're going to read the Scriptures in a moment to help back this up for us, to help us as we're seeing what God's teaching us. What the Holy Spirit does is when God sees you here and He puts His breath back in us, the Holy Spirit, see, restored relationship. Now I have love life and God present within me now the standard has been met because of God now wherever I am the Holy Spirit is leading me here into Christ likeness that's what he's doing so when I got saved even though I was down here God began a journey with me by the Holy Spirit working in my life of surrender. We were singing about it today. Right? He called my name and I came out of the grave. Gave me life. And then he began a journey of surrender. And so as I'm journeying on my walk with God and I'm surrendering, I'm becoming more like the standard Christ. That's what God's doing. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. That's why it's so critical for you and I to be listening. I don't just say these like uh, those accountability questions just to say something. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Because the Holy Spirit is convicting, leading, encouraging, doing stuff in our life to lead us towards Christ likeness. That's what He's doing. We're supposed to be the light of the world, which is Jesus. He's calling us in that direction, and God is transforming us. So that as we mature, we become more like the standard God has established in everything we do. Ephesians 4, these are our discipleship verses that we use. Listen to what God's word says to us. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be maturing the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You hear what that just said to us? That growth, that development as God works on us and we're surrendering and God is mending and healing and working in our lives so that we are maturing and becoming more like the standard Christ. 
We're going to continue reading right there. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, man, God is doing a work in us. He's in us and he's drawing us and he's transforming us and changing us into Christ's likeness. He is leading us so that those people around us see us more like the standard, less like us. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit is leading us towards that Christ likeness growing in every way more like Christ. So therefore, you should not be the same when you leave church today as when you came. You should not be the same when you arrive next week if God gives you life and we're open. You should be more Christ-like next Sunday than you are today. See, we should be moving towards the standard. And how do we do that? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And off of the people that are less than. Check it out, man. This is uh, Luke 18. Jesus tells the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. You know, I love the way that God's word speaks about who Jesus is. He does not, nor did he like self-righteousness. People that think they're holy. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Uh, I think it's funny that, you know, that's the terminology that's used because, you know, like we don't like people that take our money. (laughs) So... He's like trying to, he's not trying, he's using someone that everybody looks the same way on, the IRS. You know, we all look at them the same way, so that's what Jesus is using. So he's he's showing us, here's the one that sees himself as what it's all about. And he's given us the illustration of the one that is despised by everyone and everybody knows is crooked and messed up. Because see, the tax collectors not only took money from their people to give to the Romans, but they took more than they were supposed to to put in their own pockets. And everybody knew it. So this is Jesus teaching. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed like this. So here's the Pharisee. He comes into the temple, of course, right? So he's standing here. And he comes to the temple and here's the Pharisee. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Can you just see him looking around, the people he knows, labeling their sin? I'm certainly not like that tax collector. (laughs) Remember, this is a prayer, right? So this is him praying. I fast twice a week. And I give you a tenth of my income. So listen to what the prayer was. Hey God, 
I'm so glad that I'm here and not down here like all y'all. God, I mean, it's just, I'm so glad that this is where I am with you. Now, God, remember what I do for you. (laughs) That's what he just prayed. Like, hey, I fast twice a week. There's There's my religious practices. I tithe, I give you. Therefore, hey, you and I are great. Not only that, I'm nothing like that low life over there. This is Jesus teaching us something, right? Now he goes over and Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance (laughs) and he dared not even lift up his eyes to heaven. (laughs) See, he came in, stood off in the corner, not up front for everyone to see Jesus says he didn't even, he knew, he didn't even want to look up, make eye contact with the Father. As he prayed, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. (laughs) Amazing. See, here's the difference. This guy saw himself here. This guy saw himself here. And Jesus says this, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, what God's teaching us continuously, church, this is, this is exactly what he's saying. God knows what's going on inside. He knows me and you intimately. And so he knows when we are right with him. And he knows when we're trying to be right with everyone else. He knows. He knows everything. He knows that we on our own can't be here. The only way to get there is through surrender and following the lead of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Here's your action steps. Have you accepted Jesus Christ, God's only standard for our sin? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Have you done that? If so, say it out loud. Amen. If you haven't, today's the day because I want you to know God says you can't meet my standard except through Jesus for He became sin, what we are, so that we can be made righteous with God. Can't do it without Jesus. All right, next question. We, you know, we always got a couple questions here for our action steps. Which way are you looking for your righteousness? Which way are you looking? Are you looking at Jesus and pushing on to become? Or are you looking at others so that you feel like you've become? It's so easy to look out. I mean... Don't their glaring misses show you how good you are? <laughs> Don't you feel better? I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Please understand this. Don't you feel better when you're around people that are worse than you? See, sometimes people do charity work because they want to feel like they're making a difference in their life, giving them something so I can feel better about myself. So it's like sometimes we look at people and think, oh, thank God I'm not that. 
Isn't that exactly what the Pharisee was doing? Thank God I'm not that. God, you know I'm not that. Therefore, I'm good. We're good. Church, we're not good unless God sees us through Jesus Christ. What direction are you looking for your standard? What is the Holy Spirit nudging you in and about to get you more Christ-like? See, that's why we asked the question at the beginning, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you spending time in God's Word? Because God's Word speaks to our hearts. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It challenges our life right where we are. It leads us into Christ-likeness. The Holy Spirit prompting and victing and encouraging and leading us along. So when we say, like, what's the Holy Spirit nudging you about? What is it that He is calling you to? That's surrender. We were just singing. You know, God ordained this so that we would sing it to Him. I surrender. So now He's saying, do you? Will you? I'm trying to get you here. What is it that God's saying we need to do to get more to the standard of Christ in the way we live our lives, in everything we do? That's what the Word of God says. In everything we do, that's the standard. You know what that is? Yeah, you have to. Therefore, it's time to surrender. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and being the miss for me. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and bringing God's breath back within us. Thank you. Thank you, God. Your amazing redemptive plan is so incredible. God, you know us. You know where every single one of us are living in our standard of walk with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we trust you to convict, move, and lead us as we surrender to become more Christ-like in our life. If you need to come to the altar, please do. If you want to speak to him right where you are, that's fine. And if you're online, please go into the chat, call the number, just be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's doing right now in you, what He's saying to you, what He's calling you to. For God is calling us to the standard in everything we do. God, we thank You for today. We ask You to bless all the moms, Lord. Lead us, God, that we might be Your people and serve You to the fullness of Your intent. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Ladies, please take a rose with you. Thank you for being here today.